0: you're listening to another ambitious entrepreneur network.com podcast the voice for entrepreneurs and small business now onto the show Melbourne, Australia, and today I have another magic Melburnian. This is my third. In fact, we've got so many now in the list coming up that I'm actually seriously thinking of doing an on-location segment in part two, season two. There's so many magic Melburnians and awesome Aussies that I'm going to go around with one of my my handheld devices and capture the wisdom of them all in their daily lives. But stay tuned for that. That's coming up in season two. But for the most part, we're we're still into season one. And we've, we've really relatively only just started this, and I, wanna, I wanted to thank you all for how, how well it's been received. It's really going well, and we're having such great fun interviewing people from around the world. But today I'm interviewing Annalise Jennings, a Magic Melbourneian with an Aboriginal name. She works with the Indigenous community here in Australia, and she has a formula, a system that's workable, that's teachable. That's repeatable, and that's ex- that's exciting because she's she's worked it out. She's cracked the code, so to speak. So welcome to the call, Annalise. Thank you, Keith. It's
1: wonderful to be part of this.
0: Look, I, I really want to start with the idea of how you got into this and how you indeed got an Aboriginal name. It's quite an honour, isn't Oh,
1: absolutely. Isn't it? it has to be the highlight for me in uh, my professional and personal life, really.
0: So let's dig deep. How did that happen? What, what, what was the, the circumstances that led to you working with the Indigenous community and, and them thinking so much of you that they actually, you know, uh, honoured you with an Aboriginal name? Well,
1: back in 2009, I took a short holiday in Cape York, and I was at that stage I was a senior manager with, with ANZ, and I took a break. I was asked to be godmother to a little girl in the Cape, and I accepted the honour. And I was only due to be there for about four days. But while I was there, I met um, a a local who introduced me to some Indigenous elders. And they got really interested in my conversation around self-determination and community ownership. And these have been topics that I've always been very, very passionate about. And uh, they invited me to have further conversation in their community and so the four days became two weeks and two weeks turned into three months long service leave and then that turned into 12 months. (laughs) And...
0: And did you, did you, did you just ring up the office and say, look, guess, guess what? Something exciting's happening here. Can I have another week? Well, it
1: was a little bit like that at the beginning and I just kept taking whatever leave that I could. And, uh, and at a certain point my executive rang me and he said, Annalise, are you ever coming back? And I said, I said, no, I found something really significant here that is just so important and I feel so honoured to be a part of. I, mm. I believe I've made the shift now from corporate Australia to First Nations people.
0: And that's what your TED talk was yes, about? Yes, absolutely.
1: It? And the TED talk was also about, it wasn't only about that shift, it was that shift at a personal level, but it was also the shift from paternalism, prohibition, penalty, intervention, and control to true community ownership. And, and self-determination. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of shifts mentioned in the TED Talks.
0: It's a fantastic TED Talk, and I've shared mm-hmm. it many, many times now. In fact, today and over the last week, I've shared your three major videos, you know, almost in high rotation, if you want to use the radio term. I mean, I'm, so, I'm so inspired by what you're doing that I'm sharing them about three times <laughs> a day. You. And I'll, I'll share them again. Uh, at the end of this, and and also in the, in the coming weeks. But what you're what you're offering here is absolutely amazing, and it's not only related to the Australian experience. I'm sure there are Indigenous communities in virtually every country in the world that could resonate with this model. Have you found that to be yeah, the case?
1: absolutely. I delivered a keynote well, presentation in Sweden last year, and I've had a Quite a number of people connecting with me since then. Um, people from, from Cherokee uh, Indians and um, from Dakota and from different parts of the US uh, are connecting with me, and you know, it's quite an honour to, to receive their connections and for them to be very curious mm. about what I've been doing and, and how I've gone about it.
0: Now you haven't yet got a book, but there's one coming. Yes, there is. I've
1: started my book, and it's looking fantastic. And so that's very much uh, a goal for this year: is to finish my book.
0: Can we dig a little deeper into some of the formula or do you want to save that for the book or do you save that for your keynotes? Can you talk a little bit about the formula of self-determination? Is it a bit of a, you know, a five-step process or is it a little bit more complex? Oh, it that?
1: is, it is a lot more complex than that. But, you know, but basically it really is about creating purpose-built programs for each discrete community. And it, 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 it involves oh, wow. developing a blueprint for economic development and community growth and when i talk about community growth i'm talking about the spiritual well-being of the people so it's not just about creating a viable economy or creating a strategy but it's also about in tandem creating that will that desire that that spiritual awakening that says yes i can do this and i can take this and i can move it forward so there's and there's value
0: in it for me. There's value in it for me and well, my family. Well, there's
1: value in it for me, for my family, for my community, for society, and for the legacy that I want to leave behind as an Indigenous person. And so it it really is far-reaching. So my philosophy, and I and I really love the the um the rhetoric that you know I love. It's about doing things with people, not to them. So this is where
0: I thought. Let me pick up on let me pick up on what you just said there. It's about doing things with people and not doing things to Yes, that's
1: people. right. So that's the shift from paternalism and control to, to to true community ownership. And so as a as a coach and um, as somebody who's very very passionate about shifting humanity in a positive way, I learned that my role is very much one of learning and understanding and listening with absolute intent and presence and to trust that the answers lie in the wisdom of the people. So for me, it's about not walking in without with any predetermined agenda. It's about um, not having any preconceived answers but walking in with a very open heart to listen, to understand, and then to support the community and pulling together the blueprint that they ultimately own. So government and service providers then take on a role of enabling and supporting, but the community ultimately own their own plan, their own destiny, their own implementation. And the results have been so far reaching, even in terms of them putting in, uh, pulling together their own joint ventures. Um, their own um, economic industry that is owned by the people. So they've got a, a vested interest in the financial viability of what they're doing. And so it creates jobs internally. So, you know, we've seen a shift of like a 60% jump in employment inside the community. Mm-hmm. And that's massive mm-hmm. in a community where unemployment sits around 75%. And it's, it's owned by the people for the people. So I've used my experience yes. as a strategist in corporate to really help pull together a plan that is deeply meaningful to the people at grassroots.
0: Wow. It's yeah. all about engagement. It's all about honouring the, the, the individual's right to choose, the, the individual's uh, unique perspective on the world. And the Indigenous communities have a unique perspective on the world when I mean, they don't all want to live in a house, and work nine to five for corporate in the city. I mean, most Aussies don't want to do that. No, <laughs> no,
1: that's exactly right. But you said something, no, you I mean, just said something really important. You mentioned the word engagement. And, and I believe that's really at the heart of this because where I hear words like, negotiation or consultation i'm always really really wary because where we negotiate or consult we're stepping in with a predetermined agenda so we're seeking to gain buying but when we come in with a spirit of engagement it's very much no agenda and sitting and listening around that table and understanding collectively what is it that we're here to co-create together and that's a very, very different mindset to um, consultation, negotiation. So engagement is key here.
0: Look, I'm I'm so inspired by what you're saying there. I mean, it's such a big topic. It's it's, it's probably a brain spin for a lot of people that have never thought this way. A lot of people with the word strategy, I've got a plan, I know the answer, and it's a five-step process. And if you just went one, two, three, four, five, you would have a better life. Trust me. That's really what's happened so far. Yes,
1: very much so. I wouldn't say that this is more complex. I would actually say that this is far more simpler than a step by step process. And it starts with listening and engaging. And the objective here is to reduce that welfare dependency and government intervention and in a way where you know, we bring about social transformation and we raise the community's responsibility for self determination. And I use the word we a lot because I really do feel a part of this community I, yeah. and I, yeah. I very strongly respect uh, the, the people, the leaders, the counsellors who have invited me yeah. around the table and to work with them over the past few
0: years. Have you found that the principles that you're using here in Australia are generic principles and themes that you're finding happen in other communities around the world say the Cherokee or the Iroquois or the Inca? Well they are
1: certainly been called for and and people have been working with the theories for quite some time but what I'm hearing from people who I'm engaging with or who are engaging with me is that what they're seeing in my work is that I'm not just about the theory I've actually gone out there. And worked with the people and we've seen a change happen and it's not just you know Pollyanna stuff or looking at it through rose tinted glasses, you can actually go there to the community, you can speak to the people at grassroots, you can feel a buzz in the community, you can sense that the energy has shifted but it's evidenced by the amount of infrastructure and development that has come about in the last three years that just wasn't there before.
0: Very, very inspiring. You know, you're listening to the Global Spotlight Podcast. This is part one. And increasingly now, I'm doing two parters because my guests have so much great stuff to share. So stay with me. I'm going to take a short break and come back in part two and delve a little bit deeper into Annalise Jennings and the amazing work she's doing with indigenous communities. Magic Melbourneian Annalise Jennings. Now, she has an Aboriginal name. We're going to dig deep into what that means, the significance of her work with the Aboriginal and Indigenous communities. So welcome back, Annalise. Tell me a little bit about your journey and how you came to have an Aboriginal name and what that means. Thank you, Keith.
1: Well, first and foremost, I'd like to pay my respects to the um, Community and Elders and Council of the Nacronym Community. And I've delivered a number of podcasts and I've always got a, a particular elder next to me and her name is mary Ann She's not with us today, uh, but I have her permission and she knows about this broadcast and I'd really like to honour her today. mary mm. is the elder who gave me the Aboriginal name of Keeley. Now, Mary is a FANIC with elder. Uh, she's a counsellor of the Napronum community. She's also the chairperson of the Indigenous Justice Group. And, uh, and she holds a, a, a bachelor in community development as well. So she's a highly esteemed elder. And some, a few months ago, she rang me after I hadn't been to the community for a few months. And she rang me and she said, And Elise, I've been thinking about you. (laughs) And I said, oh, that's great, Mary Ann, thank you. What are you thinking? And she said, well, she said, I'd really like to give you an Aboriginal name. She said, you've been, you know, a part of our community for so long and I've thought about this and I'd like to give you an Aboriginal name. And I was completely overwhelmed. You know, it was one of those days where I was thinking, I wonder where I'm going, I wonder what I'm doing, and... You know, and I wonder if today I'll get a message that propels me into a particular direction and then I get this amazing phone call from Mary-Anne and I said, Mary-Anne, I'd be so honoured and I can't really begin to describe how emotional and how um, meaningful that was to me and how privileged and blessed I felt. There's really mm. no words in the English language But she gave me the name Keeling, and she said that it was represented by the totem, the lorikeet. And when I delved a little bit deeper to understand, well, what does the lorikeet actually mean? And the, the spiritual meaning is that it's the messenger between heaven and earth. Wow. And for me, you know, that just took my breath away and I've had so many wonderful accolades and awards in my professional life and I honour all of them. I really do. But I have to say that this just really, really uh, captured my heart and took my breath away. So, Teelie is my Aboriginal name and I'm finding that more and more frequently people on LinkedIn, on social media, are referring to me as Keeley and not as Anna <laughs> Wow, I, I,
0: I love I love the symbolism there. I mean, you, I want to I want I want to dig deep into the the story of when you went to Cape York and the four days and mm-hmm. because obviously. To be, to be a messenger, you've been thinking about this for a long time. You've been actually, you've been delving deep into your own psyche to say, look, I'm not sure I'm a corporate chick. I'm not sure I really want to get on a train and drive and or get into the city every day. And I'm not sure I want to play that game anymore. Has this, am I putting words in your mouth or has this occurred to you? Was there a long period before Cape York where you actually thought, look, there's something going on here and I've got to get out? Look,
1: I had a 25-year history with with corporate and my last uh, 10 years or so was, was in, in senior roles. Uh, and I have to say I really loved my experience in corporate. Um, you know, I held fantastic positions and really, really loved what I did. But I did feel that it was a cycle that was finishing for me. And about two years before leaving corporate, I actually opened a business name called Dynamic Exchange. And dynamic exchange, the actual meaning of dynamic exchange is about the giving and receiving of energy. It's about the knowing of what happens within us and how we express ourselves um, to our families, to our community, to society, to humanity. That really is a spiritual definition of dynamic exchange. Now, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do with it and I didn't know how, but I did have a vision for what dynamic exchange actually meant. And I I really believe that that was an important first step because perhaps subconsciously the decisions Mm. and the steps Mm. that I took after that started to line up to this vision of what dynamic exchange would eventually turn into.
0: So when you went to Cape York, when you went to Cape York and you were only there for four days, it was like the planets aligned. Well, it, you said, okay, actually here it is. Here it is. Here's the way, here's the way well, forward.
1: Absolutely. And in my spare time in corporate, um, on weekends, I had put together a, a, parenting program, uh, and I was delivering that on, on weekends in my own time. And so I'd already started this, um, this, This dialogue, this narrative around giving back to community and working with community, and so I was already open to that. But I had no idea that I was about to step into an indigenous community. Mm. That that part was unexpected.
0: Mm. And in this process, big shift from corporate to indigenous. I mean, you can't. I don't think there's a bigger chasm than that. That was massive. (laughs) Uh, Big chasm. Was there big challenges and and look, have you had a time in your professional career or your coaching career where you you really had big doubt and if you did, Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and more importantly, how you dug yourself out of that hole? Because there's lots of people listening to these podcasts now, and I thank you wherever you're listening to in the world for for supporting me on this. They want to hear these questions. They want to hear how people that I've interviewed have had the down days and how they've come through, and they want to take some inspiration from that. So would you mind sharing? I'd
1: be happy to. I think this is really important because the shift from corporate was a massive move for me. Uh, and leaving the security of a corporate organisation, leaving the security of a you know of a, a a good salary where I could you know provide for my sons, provide for my home, and really diving into something that was very very unknown for me. And really, the only thing pulling me forward was a very deep sense of knowing and faith that this was the right thing to mm. do. Uh, but it was tough. And there were many, many tough moments and I can only relate it to a metaphor of looking up a really massive big mountain and trying to climb it without any ropes and, and Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. anything to catch you if you fall. It was, you know, there were many, many moments of what am I doing? And I, and I believe that in those moments, whether it was the shift from leaving corporate or other moments in my career and life when things got really tough, for me, it was very much about stopping, taking a breath, recalibrating, and asking myself those tough questions of who am I? What am I here for? What's deeply meaningful to me? Those age-old questions. And am I mm. on path? Am I on purpose? And, and to really, first and foremost, to, uh, to remember for myself that I'm, I'm a mother and I'm determined to leave that positive legacy for my sons. And that really keeps me going. The ripple effect that I can create for my sons and it is it's therefore the beginning. And, and the extension of that is the ripple effect that I can create in community, society and humanity. So coming back to that raw truth of who am I as a human being, as a mother and the legacy that I leave for my sons, that's always been... Um, uh, the leverage that I give myself to take that next
0: step forward. This is actually so powerful, Annalise. I'm tearing up here listening to you because, you know, there's this big dichotomy between safety, security, the known, and then there's the, you know what, this is right. This is the right thing to do. I know it's a bit scary. It's a bit unknown, a bit unknowable, really, but it's the right thing to do and I'm going to trust that. Those five letters, trust. They mean everything. Don't yeah, they?
1: it's, it really is fundamental to have that trust and faith in your own knowing because oh, I'm not sure where logic plays a role in all of this. It really is a knowing and you take the next step and then the next step and you fall and you pick yourself up and you dust yourself down and say, okay, that was a tough one. And you keep going forward and then you get phone calls like the one I got from Mary-Anne where she, gets, she gives me an Aboriginal name and you think, wow, the whole five years was worth it just for that. you know. Or, or, mm-hmm. or you see a young person who has changed their lives around and is out there and is working and is creating meaning in their lives and you think, wow, that's just wonderful. So every story, and I've got hundreds of stories, Every story you look at, and you think, yes, it's worth it. This is meaningful. This is important work. And my message to everybody is that this is possible. This is real. And in this small community in far north Queensland, you know, we found we found the formula. We found a way to 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 create change. And is is it perfect? No. Is there still a lot of work to do? Yes. Have we made massive leaps forward? Absolutely, and the intention is to continue to go forward.
0: That is so, so wonderful. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes now to really give everyone in the world an opportunity to contact you because I'm sure there are people in Indigenous communities around the world that will hear this one day and they absolutely need your wisdom. So how do they find you? How (laughs) do they contact you? And what's the best way to really leverage your skill and take it global? Uh,
1: They can contact me through my website, dynamicexchange.com.au uh, I'm also very easy to find on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn so yeah if they Google Annalise Jennings they'll find a number of um, contacts for me. but my That's website is, uh, is the first protocol.
0: I'm going to start a hashtag for you dynamic exchange. I'm just going to check that to see if it's being used. If it is being used, I'm going to change it to uh, dynamic exchange AU. I'm going to make sure that everyone in the world who needs your message will get it. Thank you. And that's, and that's the power of social media. I'm just one bloke, living ten minutes from the beach, an hour from the city in Melbourne, Australia. But social media has allowed us to share information globally super fast. Isn't it, it is great?
1: Absolutely wonderful because that's absolutely my intention and Marianne's intention is to share this message of hope. That's that's our that's our dream. That's
0: so thank you. So Oh, you're very, very welcome. And we're coming quickly to the end of the second part of the uh, the, the episode today. Just want to give everyone an opportunity to connect with what we're doing here. Uh, we're starting a membership site very, very soon called Coaches Connection Academy. So if you're a coach and you've reached a plateau, or you've you know you're just starting and you're not sure what to do, we're forming a community, a club. Exactly what, uh, Annalise has been chatting about. And I've actually loosely called that the missing link for coaches. Cause I was a coach for five years. And, you know, I would have loved to have, I've had a global community I could have turned to, to ask those chunky questions. Whether it be, how do I start a blog? Or should I do a podcast? Or what's a hashtag? But also it could be, look, I've had, a, I've had a difficult day. Is there anyone out there I can chat to? It's a really, a really, Super exciting project, which we're starting on the 1st of May. You can find out more at themissinglinkforcoaches.com. themissinglinkforcoaches.com will take you directly to the page. It's not up yet, so there's a little bit of a VIP list. You can, you can get these interviews sent to you every two weeks. as a lovely newsletter. We're doing a lot of work on social media under the hashtag Coaches Connection. So I'm putting on I'm Google+, Facebook, Pinterest, which is the new darling, and also Twitter, which is my piece of the pie. So please connect with me there. My, my hashtag, my Twitter handle is Keith Keller, K-E-I-T-H-K-E-L-L-E-R. But more importantly, I want to thank you, Annalise, for such wonderful, wonderful wisdom that you've imparted today. And please keep this, this message going. Thank
1: you. Thank you very much. It's been a privilege to be part of the discussion.